Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's great to be with you all as we, uh, as we worship together today. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other folks. And my hope for you today is that you find that sense of belonging and hope with one another and as we share in worship together. Uh, with that, I'd like to say a, a word of prayer as we worship today. God, thank you so much. For, for bringing us here to worship you. I pray that you are blessed and that you help us connect to you and one another through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It, it, I don't know about you, but this is the time of year where there's normally Christmas presents wrapped up under the tree. This year, uh, we've got a one-year-old um, who, we don't have a lot of Christmas wrapped up, presents wrapped up under the tree, I'll just say that. Uh, uh, but but uh, and when, I, when I say we, I have to confess that there's usually not a lot of we in the wrapping of the presents. Usually my wife, Hope, is the one that's wrapping most of the presents. And, and the thing is, um, we have a lot of kids, and so sometimes when you wrap the presence, it can be difficult be, because you don't know whose is whom's. Um, you know, you don't know like, like who's, who's present. And so your one-year-old could be ra- unwrapping the toaster that you bought for your sister or something like that. And, and that's not a good place to be. And so, so Hope has this great and ingenious system uh, of, of keeping track of whose presents go to who. And, um, and, it, and then that everybody has their own wrapping paper pattern. I don't know if you do this in your household, but everybody has their own wrapping paper pattern. So, you know, um, one kid has to have this one, one kid another one, and, and and, and a lot of thought goes into this wrapping paper and, and who's, who's assumed. The problem is, it, it, it is um, she's the only one that knows the pattern. And, and so it's, uh, Christmas morning, you know, rolls around and, and, and something happens to hope. I don't know who's getting what. And uh, we just, you know, have to like go, go with it. When I have to wrap presents, um, I have another strategy because I, I'm not going to remember this. And maybe that's uh, willful ignorance or maybe that's just like obstinance. Um, uh, you know, hard-headedness. I don't want to know uh, which which uh, which wrapping paper is whose. And so I like, well, why don't we why don't we make gift tags and, and write people's names on the presents? And that that sounds reasonable to me. Um, and and so it's a little bit of an extra step just to write somebody's name down. But when I have to wrap presents, that's what I end up doing because I always end up using the wrong wrapping paper. And, and just to be fair, we do have four kids, and so it's kind of hard to keep up with their names, much less which wrapping paper that we have going on. Uh, but 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 we but employing gift tags and employing labels, you know, these are things that that are part of the Christmas traditions that are part of part of what what we do in in in, in households and getting ready getting ready for Christmas and what that means. But you know, gift tags and and really labels in, in general, these are not things that are just for presents. These are not things that just go on the outside of envelopes. These are things that you also carry. You and I also carry labels, and some of these labels have been given to us. Some of these labels have to do with our relationship with other people. I mean, for example, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a pastor, and there's probably a lot of other things that I am too, but these are kind of names and, and, and things that have been given to me because of my relationship to others. Uh, what, a town I used to live in, I even lost my, my first name. I no longer had a name, and the only name that I had, and in the whole town, was preacher, and that's a label that was given to me. One time, I called a member of my congregation, and, and I said, hey, this is Will. And he said, who? 
And I said, this is Will Connor. And he said, who? I, I, and then I said, this is Will from church. Who is calling me? I said, this is the preacher. Oh, preacher, of course, of course. Oh, oh I'm so glad you called. Um, consequently, now I almost exclusively call people and say, this is Pastor Will. And, you know, most people don't call me Pastor Will. You call me Will. It's my name. But um, I usually will introduce myself in that way. It makes for a simpler introduction. But, but we are all given names. You carry these labels too. You know, mother, sister, brother, friend. Uh, teacher, engineer, doctor, uh, mechanic. What other labels do you have? You carry them. Maybe some of you have the label retired. I, I like to think that that'll happen to me one day. But, but you all carry these labels, and these are labels that are, that are connected to who you are with other people, and these are labels that identify you. And sometimes you have labels that, um, that you'll have two labels at one time, and they're different. So you may, be, uh, you may have your, your uh, at work, you may be called one thing, but then when you go to the doctor, you get the exclusive uh, label as patient. And I, I can only imagine the reason that we call patients patients is because you have to be patient when you're sitting in the doctor's. That's a really bad joke. But like doctor's offices make you feel patient or make you at least feel antsy because you have to wait around and around. And, and so you get this name patient when you're at the doctor's office. You know, for many though, there are also uh, labels that are given to you that are not just who you are in relationship to other people. They're just painful, downright painful. And this is especially true with young people, especially true in childhood. It's estimated that about 75% of, of kids in elementary school, of kids in elementary school, are, are, are victims of name calling. 75%, three quarters. And perhaps you're thinking back, yeah, I, I remember that. I know I, I remember some of that, but research indicates also that this doesn't get much better uh, when kids grow up. It doesn't get much better in middle school or high school either. There's still a lot of name-calling that happens, and kids label each other in, in really hurtful ways. You know, you're so ugly. You're so stupid. You're, um, your mama's so fat. That's a you know, I don't know. Did y'all do your mama jokes? Anyways, uh, you know, you're, you're, so, you're so dumb. You're, you're so ugly. You're, you're, you're this, you're that. And then also on top of that, people are, are labeled with racial slurs and people are labeled with derogatory body part names and, and things that are just really, really hard. I mean, I think back on some of the names that I was called and it's painful. And, and, and if I'm honest with myself, I think back on some of the names that I might have called other people and it's pretty embarrassing to know what I might have said to hurt someone else. Maybe there's, there's a, a, a light name calling and ribbing that happens among friends that's, that you can joke about, but sometimes this goes so much deeper and too often the expense, the laugh is had at the expense of someone else, not just with them, not just with them. When someone is labeled in a certain way, in, in a difficult way like this, it tells something to them. It says, you are not wanted here. You are not valued here. You are not a person of, of, of worth here. And too often, this name-calling sticks on kids and, and becomes labels that they end up, they end up carrying them. And this is, this is repeated, and this, when this labeling is repeated, it can have lasting, lasting effects because a kid will start internalizing the labels that others give them and maybe think, you know, maybe I am. Maybe I am stupid. Maybe I am not good enough. 
maybe I really am just ugly and nobody will love me. You start internalizing this, and, and, and according to experts, name-calling can have troubling and lasting effects on the, on the mental health of children. These, these hurtful labels, they alter a child's inner world. I mean, that's what I was just talking about. They, they internalize these and begin to see themselves in the labels that other people give to them. It also puts a child's self-esteem at, at risk, and, and they can begin to withdraw from activities that they find life in, they find hope in, they can become filled with sadness and, and isolation, and this can lead to years of sadness and years of isolation. And on top of this, this name-calling like this, it can have physical implications too. It can lead to high rates of stress and depression and social anxiety and GI issues. And then it also can escalate on occasion to physical violence. And this is especially true with at-risk with at risk kids and kids who, who are LGBTQ and, and like just this pain that, that people will label on and even act out physically against others. You know, and this, the thing is, this name-calling and this labeling, it, it, it doesn't end in childhood. It doesn't end in childhood because if it's severe and it's hurtful and it's deep, people can then have to carry that with them. And maybe you have to carry that with you for, for the rest of your life. People often end up caring and dealing with feelings of unworthiness for, for the rest of their lives. And what does this even mean? But even if you aren't a victim of this severe type of, of childhood bullying and this severe type of name-calling, I, I bet you still carry around labels that the world gives you. You still carry around labels that are given to you by others, or maybe you're carrying around labels that you give to yourself. You know, that self-talk that is just as harmful and is just as bad and just as vicious as, as anything a childhood bully might, might say. And maybe these labels are just things that just keep ingrained in you and you keep carrying around in powerful and difficult ways. Labels that say you aren't good enough. Labels that, that say you aren't successful enough or you aren't whatever enough. Labels that judge you for, for something you don't like about yourself or something that someone else told you you shouldn't like about yourself. But all these labels, all these labels that the world gives you, and all these labels that, that you might give yourself, here's the good news. God promises to reverse all these labels. God promises to, to reverse all these labels. God reverses the labels of the world. And there is nowhere that we see this better than, than in Jesus' mother, Mary. You see, Mary, she was uh, someone who, who, who had been labeled by a lot of things by the world. Mary was, uh, was an unwed, young person who, who lived in some uh, remote region that really had never been talked about before, really had never had a, a, a place that, that we've heard about before, a place called Nazareth. And, and, and the circumstances surrounding the, the, the birth of her child, Jesus, were, were not, um, it was not unusual to give birth, but the, her, the circumstances surrounding the birth of her son were a bit different. And, and what happened is that Mary was, was not married, uh, she was, had not yet been with a man, and then an angel comes to her. So, so not only is she unmarried, not only is, is she young, but she also becomes pregnant, young, and unmarried. And, and in, in the world that she lived in, this was, was a really bad position to be in. It was social ostracization. It was, it, was, it was labeling her in a way that would be very, very painful. And so what happens is that 
that an angel comes to her and she spe- an angel speaks a powerful message to her about the labels that, that, that God is going to give her as she brings the Savior in the world together. And this is the message that we, we celebrate at, at Christmas. When the angel came to Mary, the angel came delivering God's message that God reverses and through her son will reverse the labels that the world gives. Luke is, one of the, is, is the one who writes about this, and Luke was a follower of, of Jesus when Jesus was, was alive. And so if you've got a Bible and want to follow along with me, I'm going to be reading from the book of Luke, the very first part of the book of Luke. This is a book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Here we read this, that, that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged Uh, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. And the virgin's name was Mary. And when the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. So here Gabriel finds this young unmarried woman and says, and says, Rejoice, favored one. Through Gabriel's message, we learn that God has a new label for Mary, and it is favored one. And the thing is, Mary would have had all kinds of labels. We talked about that, that she was, was unmarried, she was young, and she would become pregnant. And these are, are, are labels that, that you didn't want in the world in which she was living. But God reverses the labels of the world. And God says to her, Mary, you are, you are a favored one. And what we find next is Mary becomes confused about this. I think maybe the reason Mary becomes confused is because she's used to the labels that she tells herself or the world gives her. And maybe Mary doesn't believe she's all that favored. And this is what we find in verse 29, that she was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. And then Mary said to the angel, well, how's this going to happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? Now remember, she has the label of a young unmarried woman, and she can't give birth to a son, much less she can't give birth to the Son of the Most High the one that the angel is talking about. Then the angel replies to her he replies to her and tells her how this is going to happen. But the angel doesn't, doesn't just leave it at that. Instead, the angel tells her that there is another one who is, who is also pregnant. There is another woman who has become pregnant, and, and God has reversed the labels that she carried as well. Here's what, here's what it says here in verse 35. The angel replied, well, the Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. The angel points and says, Mary, I don't know what you need to believe this, but your relative Elizabeth, she's too old to have kids. In fact, she's never had kids before. And she carries around this label, unable to conceive. And, and now people don't have children for, for many, many reasons today. It just is, it is part of life. And for many different reasons, people don't have children. But in the culture in which Mary and Elizabeth were living, it was a social stigma. It was a label. In fact, one, another translation of the Bible just, just says that everyone called her barren. So people, Elizabeth would walk around and, and people would whisper, 
she's the one. She's barren. She couldn't have kids. People talk around and, and whisper about her, label her with this, with this mark that was so bad. It, it, you know, this thing that sticks to you becomes a part of you. But God, God reverses the labels of the world. And God had come to Elizabeth, and God now comes to Mary. So Mary receives her new label from God and says in verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And then the angel left her. But you see, she doesn't stop here because uh, Mary then goes to travel and visit her relative Elizabeth to check her out and to see how things are going with her. And I have to think that on this journey to, Mar to, to, to Elizabeth, Mary was thinking about everything the angel had said. She was thinking about the labels that she carried. She was thinking about what was going to happen through this son that she was going to bring into the world and the new labels that God is granting her. And then when she gets to Elizabeth's home, she's overcome with joy. She's overcome with, with praise and excitement about what God is doing. And she says, and she says something and, and speaks into being something that we know as Mary's song, or it's often called the Magnificat, if you've ever heard that. And, and, and this is something that, that Mary speaks out of excitement for what God is doing. And in this song, Mary realizes how her child, how her child is going to reverse the labels of the world for everyone, not just for her and, and, and for Elizabeth. Here's what she says in verse 46. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. His name is Holy. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled down, he has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He's come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised our ancestors to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. In this song, first Mary gives thanks. Mary gives thanks to God who who has who has who has given her this status of being the favored one. She knows her low status, but she realizes through God she is now the favored one. And through the child she is bringing into the world, God is going to continue to reverse the labels that the world tries to give people. And here's the thing about these labels. For some, this new label is going to be a blessing, but for others, this new label is going to to kind of be a, a difficult thing because their, 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 their labels that they carry are great now. Uh, but God is all about reversing the labels of the world. And here, here are the labels that she sings about in, in this song. In verse 40 or 51, she says, we learn that those who are arrogant, they will be scattered. You know, you know, this is not good news necessarily for those who are arrogant, but for those that carry the label of arrogant, they're going, to be, they're going to be scattered. And maybe when they're scattered, they can learn what it means to be able to rely on God. In verse 52, we learn that, that those who the world labels as powerful, they are going to be pulled down. But those who are labeled as lowly, 
they are going to be lifted up. So the lowly are no longer lowly. The lowly are lifted up. We learn that those who carry the label hungry, they will be filled. And those who are rich, they will be sent away empty-handed. God reverses the labels of the world. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? Well, this means that all those hurtful labels, all those things that, that you perhaps carry, the things that the world has given, your, given you or the things that you have given yourself, you don't have to carry them. You don't have to carry them anymore because in Jesus, the arrogant are scattered, the lowly are lifted, and the hungry are fed. And these labels, these don't have to be some big dramatic things either. This week, I, w- I was reading stories of people who had their labels reversed and realized that their labels that they carried had been reversed by the grace and power of God. And, and I'm not going to share with you all their stories, but I just want to share with you some of the labels that people said were, uh, were, were reversed by the power of God. Somebody was carrying the, the, uh, the label of anxious. This is just who they considered themselves to be, but they realized through the power of God that they're now at peace. Or somebody carrying hopelessness, and, and they now are full of hope. Someone who, who carries the, the label of stuck in sin, they are labeled as now in God changed. Or somebody who's, who, is, who is carrying this, this, uh, this, this, this label of always wanting more, they now receive from God a, a label of, of contentment. One who feels alone has a label of lonely, feels never alone in the presence of God because God is always with them. And some of you are carrying labels that no one else really knows about. If you're married, maybe your spouse doesn't even know about it, and they are hard. They keep you from experiencing what Mary experienced, the freedom of God's favor. And some of you have been holding on to your labels from so long, for so long, you don't even know perhaps if you can handle them, them being released, if you can even handle living without them. But here's the thing, God reverses the labels of the world. And so right now, I want to invite you to a time to reflect on the labels that you carry. Or maybe to look back on your life and reflect on the labels that you used to carry or you carried at, at some point. And if you have a bulletin, inside your bulletin, there's a piece of paper, and insert. If you don't have a bulletin and would like one, just raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. But there's this tag in here that says the wrong gift tag. And I want you to take this out. And there's some pens right in front of you there that are in the seats. And I just want you to think about, I want to invite you into a time of thinking about the difficult tags that you carry. The difficult labels that you carry today or the difficult labels that you used to carry. And I just want you to take a few moments just to write them down. No one else is, is really going to see these. Um, you don't have to put your name on this, but just take a few moments and, and write down some of the difficult labels that, that you carry or some of the difficult labels that you used to carry. Now I want to invite you just to look at, look at your labels. And if you didn't write it down, just to think about what they may be. And imagine yourself giving these back to God because God promises to reverse these labels. And so right now I want to pray. I want to pray for you and for the labels that you carry. God, I pray for each one, the, the labels that they've written down and the labels that, that you promised to reverse. In the next few moments, we're going to turn these back over to you. And God, I pray that, that you will do something in the hearts of each one. And just a, a moment, I, I'm going to invite you. We have before us
our cradle that we've prepared out of a makeshift cloth, out of just, just odd things that we've put together, but a cradle prepared to hold the coming Christ. So what I want to invite you to do is just to bring your labels forward and, and place them in the cradle, giving them back to God. And, and, and I want you to know that, that nobody's really going to look at these. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to take them after worship. I'm going to pray over them. You don't have to put your name on these. And then I'm going to throw them away because these are things that God promises to take away. So I'm going to pray over these labels and I'm just going to throw them away. Nobody else is going to see them. And then inside the cradle, uh, there are some other tags, the gift tags that, that God promises to change, the labels that God promises to give you. And, and, and this is something that I, that I want you to take. So even if you didn't write, write down labels, I, I want to invite you to come forward and receive one of these and just symbolically put your, label, put your label down that you carry because God says you are other things. God says you are a beloved God said you're a child of God. God said you are chosen, you're redeemed, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're precious, you're, you're a new creation, you're healed, you're the light of the world, you're a citizen of heaven. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God says, I think perhaps most of all, God says you are worth it. You're worth it. I want you to take one of these, put it in your Bible, put it in your car, put it on your mirror. As you get ready for Christmas, remember who you are. And who God promises that He can make you. So God, I just ask that you take these. Reverse our labels. So will you accept that God reverses your labels and God promises to reverse all the labels that you carry and replace them with these, beloved child of God, to let you know that you are worth it. That's my hope for you today as you, as you go from this place and as you get ready to celebrate Christmas. Go with the blessed love of God this day, knowing that you are worth it and that God has a blessed label for you. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page, at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.